It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin, and man, was it a wild, wild weekend of college football in week 12. It was the most fun, I think, week of the season so far. I mean, I had the most fun that I've had all season watching the games, so... I, I mean, had a bunch of near upsets, had a few real upsets, had just some shootouts and some rivalry games. So I'm excited to get in and dig into all of this. Yeah, we're going to touch on a little bit of everything this week. We had some monster performances by players that we are keeping a very close eye on, as well as just some general shenanigans happening around college football. Um but unfortunately, we have to start with some bad news. Um, and that that might be an understatement because this is one of the stories of the season was Hendon Hooker and his resurgent abilities as the Tennessee quarterback, uh, creating some buzz around himself as an NFL draft prospect, potentially. Uh, and he te- he tears his ACL this weekend, uh, and that that's going to be a tough one for him, especially because he is an older guy. You're looking at a late November ACL tear. Probably most of the rookie season is lost at this point, and you're talking about a player that's going to go into his first real NFL action at age 26, I think. So what does this mean for Hendon Hooker? So uh, Hendon Hooker, uh, that it was such a a story of this season. It was one of the signature stories of the season, like you said. This rise to, I mean, Heisman hopeful. Uh, it was honestly, it's it's pretty sad to to see this and. Hopefully he can get back into action. I mean, ACLs have like a nine-month time frame now if there's no other damage. Uh, It doesn't sound like there was any other damage, but I don't know for sure. I mean, colleges can be weird about releasing that kind of stuff. But nine months, I mean, sets him to September-ish if I'm uh, doing my math right, but then you're still not back 100%. He's probably a backup quarterback somewhere. I mean, I, it's it's just kind of kind of sucks because he was on a path to prove himself and you know have a chance at being one of these quarterbacks in this this quarterback class. That was kind of disappointing in in general. Like the the class hasn't risen to the levels we hoped it would be and hooker was uh kind of one of these stories of a guy that has potential to raise this draft stock and then maybe win a job in in training camp after the draft maybe just get drafted as a starter outright but this is going to set things back definitely uh but hopefully hopefully he still gets a shot somewhere yeah, I'm just I'm trying to wrap my head around what this means for him in terms of the NFL draft because obviously from a fantasy perspective, this was already a guy that you sort of expected was going to be, you know, probably a later guy. Like you want to take a take a shot on Hendon Hooker, uh you probably be able to do that in the late rounds, but now the question becomes where does he even get drafted in the NFL? Because you're talking about a player here that may have played himself 
uh, into that second round conversation this year. And I just don't think that's realistic anymore. Yeah, I I was thinking the same thing. Like, starting to think maybe third round where teams start to take some dart throws on quarterbacks. I mean, this year you saw Malik Willis go in the third round, and that I mean that felt late for a guy like Malik Willis. But it seems like Hooker has more arm talent than Willis, and he can get it done on the ground too. So I could see somebody taking a shot on on Hooker and using him as like their either break glass in case of emergency guy or just someone to develop behind a veteran because it seems like both of those options could work out for him pretty well. Yeah, so uh sucks to have to start there. Um but outside of that, it was like we said, incredible weekend of college football. Um close games just all across the board here i mean just to pick a few i mean you had ohio state and maryland you had tcu and baylor michigan and illinois i mean top teams with players that we're watching every week i mean i was tuned into a couple a couple of these games like watching them just because i'm trying to find out what's going on with kendra miller and who and whatnot, and then ends up every time is like a, an amazing game. Um, so crazy, crazy weekend of, of college football. W- was there any takeaways from the games that you watched? Any any names stand out in, in this crazy little window that we had? Well, Talia Tungavailoa looked really good. Uh, he's been pretty inconsistent all year. But he had a, a pretty good game down to the final strip sack. I mean, there there was a moment where I kind of expected him because he was playing so out of his mind to get the ball like within their own 10-yard line and take it all the way down and, and go win that game. There there was a moment where I was like, ooh, he, could, he might be able to do this. But ends up Ohio State, their, their stout defense ends up kind of flipping that and uh, scoring on their own and then taking that win into the column. Yeah, man, he looked really good. I This was kind of his moment, it seemed like. You see a little bit of Tua in that game, and you start to say, what do we got here with Talia? And, I mean, Rakeem Jarrett had a major catch late in that game, a, a deep shot on the corner route, and it, that, that was a nice little moment there. But, um, man, Blake Corum – I, I was trying to watch Michigan this week a little bit more because I feel like I just haven't given Blake Corum enough attention thus far. And he was looking great uh, as he does, but then looked like it was going to be uh, another one of these serious leg injuries. We still don't know exactly what it is yet um, or how serious it is. It doesn't seem like it's anything uh, major because he did come back into the game, but he uh, left immediately. I think he played one series in the third quarter and then was just shut down. Um, but yeah, I mean, Blake Corum, that, uh, uh, just a name that we haven't really talked much about, but man, he's been, he's been really solid. Yeah. It would be really unfortunate for him to miss the big Ohio yeah. state oh, game. Man. If that, you know, he's in the the Heisman talks, you know, I think he's like top eight in the Heisman betting. It's like, man, if if Michigan is without their star player 
for that big game that that would really really be shitty but he he's been playing fantastic all year he's the lifeblood of that offense i mean everything basically starts and ends with him uh they they get that run game going then they run play action off of it because he's like it's it's similar to the the tennessee offense where you everybody gets sucked into that play action because everybody is worried about every one of the 30 Derrick Henry carries where it's like Coram is getting the ball play after play after play and he's getting positive yards every single time and then he breaks that 20 yarder and then they can work that play action off of it so if they don't have him for I mean next week maybe it sounds like it's not a long-term injury but there, like you said, there's still no real update as of three hours ago. Jim Harbaugh said, like, yeah, we, we don't really know yet, so we'll it, see. I saw something uh, offensive lineman for Michigan may have slipped his tongue a little bit in the post game uh, and said that they weren't going to have Blake Corum next week, yeah. um, assuming that's something that, you know, obviously they want to keep under wraps a little bit, but – uh, it doesn't seem like he's tracking to play, which is really unfortunate uh, because, yeah, that's going to be that game. Michigan, Ohio State, it's back. Look at this matchup we got. Yeah, seriously. And, I, I mean, in all fairness, Ohio State might be without JSN. So, like, to the, the both teams without one of their eh, top targets. Marvin Harrison but, Jr. I, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, they're they're also missing a big part of their offense, but they've had a lot of time to adjust to that uh, missing piece versus Michigan just kind of getting shell-shocked by this in the middle of the game. Marvin. Marvin is just, man. The guy is a freak. Jesus. I, I got my eyes on 2024 already, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I you're gonna want to have a top two pick in the 2024 draft because he's not. I don't think he's making it. He might not make it past one. Man, I the running backs in that in the 2024 group too. They're like kind of getting. I feel like it's going a little bit under the radar. Like Travion Henderson was back this week. That that's a name that I feel like he's kind of been hurt on and off all year. But going into the season, man, I mean, we were ready to. This, we were ready to say 2024-101, I think, after his freshman season. But yeah, back and, and Braylon Allen. Yeah, exactly. Braylon Allen, Travion Henderson. I mean, there's – all right. Rain it in. We're anyway, still, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we're still here. Um, <laughs> and speaking of uh, 2023 campers, baby, we had a showcase game. I mean, there's a few showcase games. We'll get to that. But the, the, the major one here was the action-packed game. Get it? Action-packed <laughs> game between USC and UCLA. <laughs> Uh, this one was like must watch television for me. I've kind of developed a soft spot for these late pack 12 matchups on Saturdays. And this was Same. like the premier matchup. This was the two teams that we've been following the closest with Zach Charbonnet versus Jordan Addison. And then you got the Caleb Williams factor in there as well. And it, it could not have gone any better in terms of just general football. I mean, all the guys were popping off. Charbonnet was looking great. Addison, f- fucking phenomenal, man. I mean, he is just incredible. Uh, and Caleb Williams, uh, quarterback one, one Mr. 101 of the NFL Draft 2024. Uh, write that in stone. I, I'm going to say that. 
Yeah, he has looked incredible. I mean, there was a college football straw poll among, uh, I, I think it was coaches, I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on that, but apparently amongst the NCAA, they believe Caleb Williams should be the Heisman favorite. And I don't disagree because he has played incredible. And, I mean, he put a a stamp on that. I think he had 503 total yards. And uh, in respect to this game, I'm just going to get my badge out of the way because Jordan Addison deserves it. I mean, yeah, 11 catches, 178 yards, and a touchdown. He came back from injury last game against Colorado, played pretty limited snaps, and then he got the full workload this this game. Uh, given, getting the double nickel badge for Jordan Addison because uh, that 55-yard touchdown was something special. He he set up the DB on the out route on the, earlier in the drive, got the first down, and then ran the exact same out route. DB bit on it, and he snapped it upfield with, with an out and up. Man, yeah, that that was that was pretty dirty. So Jordan Addison, double nickel, he he reminds me so much of Chris Olave. I every time I keep seeing it, dude. No, seriously, because this is this plays into the trans the transformation of Jordan Addison in my personal eyes because it's exactly what happened with Chris Olave with me. And I literally thought the same thing this weekend. Like this is a great fit for like a quote unquote comp because when you first exposure to Addison was like, this is a down the field guy. Like he's fast. He wins, he wins down the field. He takes the top off. Like that's great. But you know, I want a little bit more. I want a little bit more. And what we're seeing this year is a lot more. And that's exactly what we saw with Chris Olave as well. When he came back to school, I mean, he was already viewed as a top prospect, just like Jordan Addison was. But he came back that that last season at Ohio State, and he put he put on tape that was like on a different level and made himself into uh, a very very high first round draft pick. And I think Jordan Addison doesn't need to go back to school. He's just progressing through this as he gets to his draft eligibility year and now we see it he has looked absolutely phenomenal uh as a complete wide receiver that's the thing here is like you talk about the size but it doesn't mean anything because of how complete of a receiver he is right now the one thing that i don't understand and philadelphia does this too is the sheer volume of screen passes that they throw to addison and just like tell him to break a tackle make something happen philly does this with Devontae smith too where they'll just throw him a bubble, they'll throw him a tunnel screen, they'll throw him like a smoke, and they'll just like tell him to go get yards. It's like, why are you like making this little guy go and break a tackle from like a safety barreling down on him? That I don't understand. It's not ass and strong suit. I think he caught like four screen passes for negative one yard total in this game. Uh, but outside of that, I, I mean, I mean, usually they can get the screen game working for them. They get the the old lineman down, but UCLA must have had it sniffed out because it was not working here, and it was it was bothering me how often they were going to it. Just let this guy go to work down the field. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he's gonna torch anybody that you match him up with. I mean, and and there's I mean they're scheming him open as well because then you have plays where they're lining him up in the backfield. And then you get the the wheel route touchdown where he is 
literally coming out of the backfield. You can see the confusion on the on UCLA's defense. Guys are pointing like, who's got who's this? Who's got this? Well, all of a sudden you have a linebacker matched up on Jordan Addison going down the field on a wheel route. And by the time he caught the ball, I think he had about 10 yards of separation. So, I mean, th- this guy down the field is, is about as lethal as anybody in this class. Yeah, he the the route running is improved. It is. It, it was it was not as sharp last year as it was, but he just looks so sudden. It's like everything coming out of the breaks, the footwork, beating people off the line. Because like generally with these lighter, thinner receivers, you talk about press coverage and you're worried about press. Guys can't touch them. Like the the release off the line, you can't get a hand on them, and then I mean the separation that gets at, on the break is like second to none, honestly. That's the same thing with Devonte Smith. I mean, that's that's going to be the number one concern with any of these guys is can you play physical enough to negate what their strong suit is? And a guy like Devonte Smith showed you that no, you can't do that to me, and and a guy like Addison's going to do the same thing. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all aboard. I'm all in. I'm all in baby. I'm also all in on Zach Charbonnet. I just got to say, I mean, man, this guy is a guy this big. Shouldn't be able to move like he moves. And I don't think he's getting enough. I don't think he's getting enough recognition in this draft class. I think he's lagging behind, uh, because of the top end because of the Bijan Gibbs combo. Um, I think Zach Charbonnet is, is a player that you are going to want to draft. You have made the connection. I'm not going to say comparison. I'm going to say connection between Charbonnet and Nick Chubb, uh, a few different times, I think. And I think you're going to see a very similar trajectory where Nick Chubb was like, I don't know, ADP six, maybe that's where he went in my league. He went sixth. And he's almost like a forgotten name. Like you're talking about the, was that Ronald Jones year and guys like that. Uh, You're talking about running backs ahead of him, but who's going to sit there in the middle of the first and get this player who's going to become one of the best runners in the NFL. I think, I think that's truly what we could see here with Zach Charbonnet because he just has that combination of size, power, and speed that not many human beings have on the planet. They just don't. And I don't care about the run blocking, anything. He's making plays for himself. He was making plays in this game for himself. Uh, and he is, he's, he's phenomenal. He really is. I mean, the, the footwork that he has is exceptional. And I mean, he can beat you with power. And like you said, he can beat you with finesse. And that's one of the most impressive things is he's kind of, I, I mean, I don't know how many times I'm going to say it, but it's like, the the fact that he looked as good last year that we were talking about him as a prospect and he's come back and we all were wondering why would you come back and then he's putting together this season where he has 34 less attempts like 34 less carries right now and already has 100 more yards because he has become this machine in the backfield that they can just give the ball to 20, 25 times. And he'll generally put out a hundred, 150 yards and a touchdown. And I mean, 
he he looks like Chubb running out there. Yeah, he feels like Chubb, and the stat lines look like Nick Chubb's numbers. Because then it's he like, has four, and then he has four catches too. <laughs> yeah, the and thing. then and then you look at the last four games where he has four catches, five catches, nine catches, and four catches. Where it's like, okay, what are the knocks? What are we talking about now? That's what I'm saying. I mean, they they're line they line him up all over. I mean, he's lined up a wide. They're getting him routes down the field. Like he's not just catching little screen passes here. And like he can do that extremely effectively, of course, because you get him working downhill a little bit and he'll take your head off. But he's running real routes out there. And man, I mean, this is probably the player we've talked about the most this season, but there's a reason for it. And it's because I I don't think he's getting the attention he deserves right now. It's a good ball player. How about another good ball player named Bijan Robinson? <laughs> Man, I want to know uh, the with the Bijan Mustardson, the game day bottle. I mean, if they're charging seventy five bucks for those, they got to charge like one fifty for this bottle because this was a career day for Bijan Robinson, which is saying something. Twenty five carries, two hundred and forty three yards, and four touchdowns. He didn't even play the whole game. Yeah, he subbed out, I think, with eight and a half minutes left in the third quarter. And he put up this ridiculous stat line. Yeah, I checked this morning. Oh, see, I I, I checked this morning for the Bijan Mustard uh, <laughs> because I was like, you know, if it's if it's up there, you know, maybe it'll have a time when it's going to release. And if I can get this for 75 bucks, you know, I can just flip that real quick because, <laughs> I mean – you look at 243 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, you put the stat line on the bottle, one of one, put the signature on it. I could ship that out for 150 bucks, Easy. You know, double your money. Uh, it's already sold out, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, what – what what can I say? I'm out of, I'm out of words uh, for Bijan. That's I mean, we're just waiting. We're just waiting yeah, now exactly. to get to the draft. I mean, there's never been uh in the last what I'm trying to think here. I mean, the, Saquon and then was I'm trying to think of like the last time that there was a number 1 pick that was this locked in in like September. Where it's just like yeah. you just know that this is the guy. Because every now and then you'll get that a little bit, but then it kind of shifts over the season or something happens. Uh, I mean, this is this has been the guy. It will continue to be the guy. I mean, he is as elite, as elite as it comes. And I, he's going to have, from an NFL draft perspective, I think he's probably going to be uh, like graded as – uh, my highest running back prospect since Saquon, like it, no doubt about it. I man, this is it's a, it's just a treat to watch him play. I mean, it's gonna be pretty cool when the Raiders trade the fifteenth, <laughs> the, the trade Derek Carr for the fifteenth pick, and they end up taking a quarterback, and then Bijan with that pick, and he's playing in the silver and black, but. Until then, I mean, we're just going to keep marveling at these ridiculous games and these ridiculous stat lines. I mean, I I looked at it kind of a certain way because I'm like, I mean, it's Kansas, you know. But then again, it's it's two and a half quarters, and Kansas hasn't been terrible this year. 
Right. Well, and then you look at the kinds of runs. I mean, Bijan was in his yeah. full bag in this game. It, I mean, it, he was doing all of those things that make you say this guy is special. Like he's not just a good runner. Not he's not just a great runner. He is a special special runner and a special player because of the things he does. I mean, you had the you had the crazy like stop on a dime. Like my knee explodes spontaneously combusts if I try the move that Bijan hit on this one guy on the, on this, I think the third touchdown or something where yeah, he's just in the touchdown. hole. Yeah. Right. And he's in the hole and it's like, he just stops like, and shoots the opposite direction in an instant moment. And you're like, how does he do that? How does the human body do that? Well, on his fourth touchdown, he got the he got the the outside zone and there's a DN there so he just like oh okay so I'll go left instead right. and then there's a guy in the hole so he's like oh okay I'll go north then and he, then he just runs faster than everybody on the field and it's like how do you have the the change of direction the acceleration the 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 vision uh, the savvy you know the the creativity to just do all that in a second in like, you know, tenths of seconds where you're just like, bang, 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 gone. It's like, man, I, I don't, I don't get it. I, it looked like he was toying with him in this game. I don't even think he was like going at a hundred percent in this one. Like there was a few where he's just like, it looks like he's kind of just jogging down the field. Nobody can catch him. It's like, I know you got another gear in you, man. That's, that's (laughs) not your top speed. Nobody on this Uh, defense can catch you, but. um, That's what happens when you play basketball school. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a story for Kansas, man. We had game day and then just all downhill. Um, how about two more, three, three more running backs that had 200 yard games. Uh, and that wasn't across college football. That was all in the same game. (laughs) Ole Miss and Arkansas, man. I mean, run defense, anybody like, can we, and, and, and what the worst part about this game is, is that you had Judkins and Evans both going over 200 yards and this old miss offense was just flat and they got upset by uh, KJ Jefferson's Arkansas team with uh, rocket Sanders eclipsing 200 yards as well, man, Raheem I'm going to call him rocket Sanders. I'm calling him Raheem Sanders. He's not fast enough to be called rocket. I, I, I saw that 60, some 68 yard touchdown. I was like, Rocket, Rocket, San- no, Raheem Sanders. We're going Raheem. So uh, he, I, I don't know. He, he looked really good, obviously, in this game. I mean, 232 yards speaks for itself. He is a very upright runner. His legs are super long. And he just, like, he's got that little, like, stop side juke. I I don't know. it. I, I really liked what I saw out of him. I, maybe it was the white uh, pants with the white cleats and the white socks that made his legs look so long, but it just seemed like he was he's like super lanky and he's like stepping through arm tackles and then get to, gets to the, the, the stride lengthened out. And then maybe that's why he doesn't look so fast to me is because he's, he's taking, taking steps, long steps. Uh, he's got a weird running style. He's not a very fluid guy, but suddenly he's just gone. And then it happens again. And then it happens again. And you're like, what? 
Yeah. What is like, going okay, on? Maybe. <laughs> so that uh, another 2024 running back name potentially in the in the room there, but you know, 2023 Zach Evans looked like Zach Evans. I mean, Quinchon Judkins stole the show again. Uh, I mean, I'm ready to sit here and tell you 2025 101 Judkins. I mean. The guy is exceptional, and when you're making Zach Evans look like the inferior player, you you must be exceptional because Zach Evans, uh, despite being second fiddle in this game, also eclipsed 200 yards and looked phenomenal and looked like the player that we're going to draft super high next summer. Yeah, Evans looked every part of what we've been waiting for him to look like in this game, and I mean, he's had flashes. But he's been banged up, and Judkins has completely, I mean, taken over this this backfield. And I don't blame Ole Miss for feeding the hot hand, and Judkins has been the hot hand. But I, in this game, I mean, 17 carries, 207 yards is ridiculous. And he had a couple plays where it's like, yeah, this this is a guy that I want in, in my backfield. You know, I want him on my roster where – he, I mean, makes that one play where he stiff arms the guy and then goes another like 30 yards. That That is impressive. But, I mean, Judkins get caught from behind in this game. I mean, could have had a 96-yard touchdown. Uh, you'd lose that. I mean, he could have had a near 300-yard game if he gets that, that touchdown, which obviously is not a real knock. I'm, I'm joking. But, it, like, if he scores that 96-yard touchdown and he has, like, 270 something yards man that would have been a wild wild game from these three running backs give that kid two more years and he'll he'll hit that run he'll be there oh man Uh, what is he 18 years old (laughs) jesus christ amazing it is truly amazing uh man zach evans we have i mean we've talked about him but you know not not we talk- always we always talk about him with the qualifier we're always like yeah. yeah and judkins right and it's like i mean let's just take a step back here to remember this player i mean i again like this was my running back too going into the year this player was ahead of jameer gibbs and we know how talented jameer gibbs is and i still believe you know that is a, a worthy argument to be had whether or not evans or gibbs will be rb2 for me and it's because of games like this where you see the speed power combo where you get that stiff. I mean, he plays nasty, man. Like he wants to hurt you out there and he's so fast that he's able to do it. I mean, we talk about the triple truck stick earlier in the season and then you get the stiff arm move and, and he's running away from you after he does that. It's like, he just has a very special blend of traits. And I just, again, like this is a player where you're not really sure what to expect from an NFL draft perspective, but I'm pretty confident that he's going to be in a position that allows him early opportunities because there's a lot of opportunities at the running back position right now in the NFL to be had. And I think what, you know, maybe he's RB three in this class. That's good enough for me, man. The, the, this guy's going to fill a hole at the top of a dynasty draft real nicely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Evan's spatial awareness is super like impressive too, where he just like, 
there there's running backs that don't switch the ball over all the time, which really bothers me. Because, like, you, you bring that ball to the left hand, you free up that right hand, and that's what he did on that stiff arm. And then just, like, the cuts he makes on a dime – where there's a guy maybe to his left, and he you you might not think that he saw him, but then he kind of pops out to the right, and then gets a few extra yards because of that, and then I mean he'll he'll run through your face, and I guess it it can be concerning because that it might lead to some injuries because he's he's taken on that contact head on, but I mean you want your running back to run run hard and run nasty. Uh. I never even I I'm giving Bijan a badge. Yeah, I'm going retroactively, and I'm giving him the badge. I, I didn't, you know, I, I'm too busy gushing over him and being in love with him. <laughs> I'm gonna give him the Superman badge because we didn't even talk about the the Superman touchdown with one second left in the first yep. half, and he leaps over the line, and the uh, commentator goes Superman's it and I'm like what a perfect descriptor for this guy man because what weakness does he have it's hard to find a kryptonite when you talk about Bijan Robinson well I mean TCU horned frogs <laughs> okay that's the kryptonite anyway <laughs> right I forgot oh man how quickly you put that in the back of your mind when you see 260 whatever yeah, two two forty three just like puts that right out of your mind. Yeah, I mean, when when a twenty nine yard game is sandwiched by four hundred and fifty yards, you can kind of forget about it. Not bad. Um. All right. Well, we covered. So that's the week of camp. Fun week. Like I said, I mean, crazy, crazy stuff going on. We got two badges out of the way already because I mean, Addison and Bijan just too damn good. Had to hit him up on the top throw a few badges their way. Uh, we got some IDPs to talk about yet, and uh, I'll I'll start us off because we sort of already alluded to my IDP badge this week. I'm giving the dagger badge to Zach Harrison from Ohio State. This is the player that strip-sacked Talia Tungavailoa to effectively end the game for Maryland. Uh Zach Harrison is an interesting name in this crowded edge class that we keep talking about. You know, there's new names that you can bring in here weekly. There's names we haven't even talked about. There's guys that are, you know, suddenly projected top five talents that we haven't even talked about, like Tyree Wilson. And uh, Zach Harrison is just one of these guys that's kind of slotting in in a sort of mixed bag of rushers little bit more raw with Harrison, a little bit more projection with a guy like this. Uh, but then you kind of see it all come together in a game like this where uh, he has, I, I think it was two sacks and then the strip sack, obviously they're at the end of the game. So, I mean, playmaker, uh, not super refined, but a guy with traits and a guy that's going to be a part of this maybe 10 edge rushers that are drafted in the top 50. <laughs> I mean, t- top <laughs> top two rounds at least. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, he had five tackles, two sacks, and a forced fumble. I mean, the I mean, it seals the game for this team and this uh, Ohio State defense has starting to kind of come into their own. Uh, a little bit of a slip up here against the Terrapins, and but we we've been talking about Maryland's offense all season. That it, it's a fun 
unit. It's got a lot of guys. I mean, uh, but Harrison and Tommy Eichenberg are leading this IDP class. And then, I mean, there's, there's guys coming down the pipeline that we'll be talking about in the future, but yeah, Harrison had a, had a real good game here. And I, I mean, this is, he has only three sacks on the season. So most of his production coming here. So we're, we're looking at a player that a team might might feel a little uh, weird about taking high, but could be a uh, a high upside. You know these these Big Ten linemen always seem to turn out, and especially Ohio State edges. It seems like there's not a ton of misses there. That's the thing. That's been the story of Harrison's season thus far is the lack of production. What does it mean? How how does that factor in to his eval and? Uh, a game like this is a really good start, really good step in the right direction for him. So, uh, why don't you give me your badge this week? A repeat? Yeah, absolutely. Someone who has not been lacking in production, uh, but also we don't know a ton about his actual, you know, NFL skill level. I guess I should say. Uh, but we got. Jason Taylor the second getting the legacy badge. Uh, so Jason Taylor we talked about before, son of the Jason Taylor of the Miami Dolphins, has a huge outing against Oklahoma. I mean, had a, had ten solo tackles, eleven total, had a fumble recovery and an interception. I mean, making plays kind of all over the place, right place, right time. And uh, stuffing a, a ton of these just like free runners, it seemed like all the time they they were just bursting through a hole. And Jason Taylor is this last line of defense. Uh, he's a safety. I, I don't know if I mentioned that he's playing free safety in most of this game, uh, making Marvin Mims' life a little bit harder than I would have liked it to be, because you know the Marvin Mims agenda is still running, even though we haven't talked about him much. Uh, but Jason Taylor making his life a little harder, making sure he doesn't break any big ones because it seemed like every time Marvin Mims is getting 15, 20 yards, Jason Taylor is tripping him up or, or preventing him from breaking it further than that. Yeah, it's so strange. I mean, a guy like this with obviously the NFL bloodlines, not a not a name that I've heard a ton of buzz around just generally and within the safety group, but I mean – guy that's been playing so well this year uh, senior year uh and obviously with the with who his father is you got to expect that teams are going to be at least interested in what's going on uh f- with Jason Taylor the second so man, I don't know and he's also he's second in uh the NCAA in solo tackles like this guy is has been all over the place the entire season like it, it's not like He's kind of coming on strong now. No, he's been playing well all year, and he he makes plays. And uh, yeah, I'm interested to see how how this kind of plays out because, like you said, he's not a very buzzy name. He's not one of these high highly touted safeties. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of guys in the class, so I, I get it. But it'd be, it'd be interesting to see where he ends up. We will definitely find out. That's for sure. I'll be there on day three this year. Eyes glued to the screen. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that is 
the week 12 action this week. Uh, I mean, like I said, so fun. Two weeks to go. I mean, in this race to the, you know, to get into draft season again. I mean, the the mocks, the rankings, it's, it's starting to almost, it, it's becoming that time. I think people are ready for it. Uh, and we're going to be there soon. I'm starting to see all, like you said, these mock drafts are coming out and it's starting to get the itch. It's like you start to start to see the, oh, who who do they have going first round? It's like, I, we don't know anything really about these guys. You know, we, we think we know, like, obviously we know more than a lot of people, but you, you sit here and you're like, what? They really got, you know, Josh Downs not in the first round. Like Josh Downs is definitely going in the first round. Mm, and dropped the uh, game winning touchdown yep. this week though, so probably like fourth round at best. Yeah, I don't know if he'll get drafted, honestly. <laughs> Can't be doing that in the NFL. All right. Well, let's take a step back and sit around the campfire. All right, so Zach Wilson, huh? What's up with this, this kid? This guy. What's up with Zach Wilson, man? I mean, all right, so obviously this week Zach Wilson doesn't have a good game. It's becoming a reoccurring theme. But what makes it even worse this week is that Zach Wilson then goes to the podium and when asked if he uh, holds the offense accountable or if, if he feels he let the defense down, uh, he says no. Very definitively no. Um, and that obviously rubs people the wrong way in the media and obviously in the locker room where you start getting these reports now that the, the players have begun to turn against Zach Wilson. So, I mean, what do you make of this situation with Zach? I mean, is it over? Is it over with Zach Wilson? It should, you know, do they need to pull the plug and move on with, you know, you lose a locker room on a team with an elite defense. What do you, what do they do? Okay. So there there's a level of like deflection that you're allowed to have as an NFL quarterback but you can't have it until you're good you can't like throw for 77 yards in a full NFL game in the year 2022 and then when you're asked by a reporter hey do you feel like you let the de- let the defense down say no like Zach you're lucky you didn't throw three interceptions including a pick six the Patriots gave him chance after chance to redeem himself drive after drive and he just completely I mean I don't know if it's hyperbole to say he's the worst starter in the NFL in like the last five years because watching him play there is no play where he drops back hits the back foot and makes an accurate throw on time it it just feels like every play he is trying to extend and make something happen and you know do a little extra i mean every like he thinks that he's 
talent as talented as the most talented quarterbacks in football, and it's not close. He he, every single throw feels like a miracle if it's completed. And it, for him to go out like, all you have to do, Zach, is go up to the podium, and they say, "Do you feel like you let the defense down?" Absolutely. You know, I need to play better than that. You know what Josh Allen does <laughs> when they. When he throws for 160 yards, he rushes for 65 yards, but he throws two picks. And they're like, hey, are you disappointed in the way you play? He'll sit and stand up there and say, yeah, I played like shit. Like, this is on me. Because that's what the leader of a team does. And if you want to lose your locker room in one word, it's to cut the reporter off by saying, no. You know, I didn't let my defense... Yeah, you did, man. You are the reason you lost. You are the reason this team is not vying for the number one spot in the AFC East. If they had a competent quarterback, if they had Jimmy Garoppolo, they would easily be vying for that number one spot in playoff position. But right now, it's a car wreck in slow motion. I mean, Zach Wilson is a lesson in evaluation here because what you said... What, what he does as a quarterback is what he did at BYU. He was lauded for his ability to extend plays, to throw off platform, to be a playmaker. That was what was so alluring about him was the fact that he had this innate ability to just make plays outside of structure. And that got a lot of people really excited, myself included. I had him as quarterback two in the class behind Trevor Lawrence. And it's just not working at an NFL level. And when you throw in this attitude problem, this lack of accountability, seemingly entitlement that he has, it's it's a recipe for absolute disaster. And I just don't see how they can continue to start him. I don't see how you can do that. Because if Robert Sala starts Zach Wilson next week, it is a message to the team that Zach is above the rest of the team. That's what it is. Because Zach threw the team under the bus this week. And I just don't see how you can let a player like that go back onto the field uh, immediately following the comments. And Salah has come out and said that he cannot guarantee that Wilson is going to be starting, which is a, is a huge first step. I mean, that that is... That's the kind of message that a coach. I don't think. I don't think a lot of coaches in the league have that sort of like intuition. They don't have the intuition of what the team needs to hear. And Robert Sala did that. And the next step is pulling the plug and getting this guy off the field. And that that begs the question of like, is Zach Wilson going to be mentioned in the the likes of like Jamarcus Russell? as, like, the biggest draft bust of all time. I mean, he was supposed to save this Jets franchise and, you know, lift it up and whatever else, and now he's getting benched for either Joe Flacco or Mike White in his, what, third season? Is it his third season? Second season. Third season. Second it's season. His second season. Yeah. And, I mean, it's he just puts out a bad product in general and to 
for for Salah to go out. I mean, Garrett Wilson in the locker room talking about how it's embarrassing the the stuff that they were doing on offense. Sauce Gardner came out and he's like, it's like a video game. Like that's not supposed to happen in real life. Like the, us allowing, you know, however many yards, however many points, whatever they did, and still losing on a punt return touchdown is just like it doesn't feel real because. This defense play is has been playing so well. Like Sauce Gardner has been incredible. He he is like one of the best corners in football, and the rest of this unit has followed that example. Where you bring a guy in to for to like force multiply everybody, and then you add in all their draft picks and whoever they brought in in free agency and Carl Lawson coming back from injury. It's like this team is ready to go. And you bring in offensive help. You got Corey Davis. You got Garrett Wilson. You got, I mean, they trade for James Robinson because they know that they're they're ready to go. And then your quarterback's holding you back. And then he won't take accountability when he plays like shit. It's it's pretty, pretty damning. It's the difference between guys like Lawrence and Fields and Zach Wilson right now because we've talked before earlier this year about you know giving these guys time these players need time especially at the quarterback position but what doesn't work is when the attitude doesn't line up you get guys like fields and lawrence that they take the accountability they say the right things with the media they're seemingly you know team people the you know the team responds to them well Zach Wilson has lost an, an entire locker room in one week. I mean, they that team is 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 done with him, and I don't blame them. And and that's the difference right now. I don't. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt here. I want to say you know get to year three. Let's see what it looks like. But it, he's making it really hard right now, and I don't even know if he's going to get the chance to prove it. Well, if if you look at some of the quarterbacks that like are quote unquote unlikable. You know, you look at like Aaron Rodgers. Let's just talk about him. Because he's a little smug. He might throw his teammates under the bus. And you know, there there's a lot of things said about him in terms of personality. But he's also won a Super Bowl and four MVPs. It's like at this point, like he's a uh, close to retiring and now it's like Oh, he's throwing his team under the bus. Like, yeah, I mean, yes, but also he's one of the best quarterbacks. He didn't in talk like that in his second year in the league. Exactly when he wasn't doing anything, when he was playing actively bad, like that. That you you have to earn the right to like say, yeah, no, I, I don't know, a few drops here and there. You know, we gotta really think about how our rotations are going. Like, you can't say like, oh, I didn't let the defense down. Yeah, you did, man. You did. It's you are the reason you lost. Quarterbacks, fickle. <sighs> yeah, yeah. It's hard to. It's the it, the personality part of quarterback is so important. It it really is. It's so much about what do you have between the years, and you know that's both football IQ and personality. Can you lead a group of men? I don't think Zach Wilson can do that. No, I don't. I don't either. Well, Zach, we're done with you. 
Uh, we're going to continue to watch Justin Fields ascend. We're going to continue yeah. to watch Trevor Lawrence ascend. And, yeah. Hey, that Chiefs <laughs> game, man. That might have been Lawrence's best game ever. I mean, the Chiefs game and, what, the Chargers game are two that – was it the Chargers game that he was uh, yeah, incredible yes, in? he was yeah. an MVP candidate. Yeah, two of those, those – start stringing those together and you'll start to see some – that that uh, prodigy, that generational talent stuff start to come to fruition. We'll get there. Don't worry. Don't worry about Trevor. That is week 12 here at Camp Dynasty. Fun week, like I said, and uh, we're going to be back again next week to break it down. We got two weeks to go, and then it is time to put our money where our mouth is and get to the hard work part of this and start watching a lot of tape. I'm going to be getting ahead of that, uh, planning to start that this week. I will be ready to talk about quarterbacks, uh, some of them very not good, and I'm excited to talk about that (laughs) because I'm already sick of it. Oh, to put man. it nicely, very not good. I saw I saw Will Levis go ahead of uh, C.J. Stroud in the mock draft this week, and I just about lost my mind. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for that quarterback episode because you get to finally unleash some takes that you've been you know just sending in texts, burning a hole in my pocket right now. Yeah, uh, but we'll get there. Um, if you enjoyed the episode this week, leave us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow Four up. stars isn't bad. Four stars is nice. I accept that. Yeah. Nice second-round yeah. pick grade of a podcast. That's you know, Second-rounders are where you make, you make champions. So It's true. Uh, four, five, you know, one. It's all about honesty here this is just do what you got to do uh follow us on twitter camp underscore dynasty and tiktok at camp dot dynasty we got the tiktok videos cranking out so get over there follow along on that side of things and thank you for stopping by camp dynasty this week and have a great week